0: well good morning Uh, lord's love i'm glad you're able to join us on this uh, sunday morning wherever it is you're watching from your living room your kitchen your backyard um, your front yard your car Uh, (laughs) welcome Uh, thanks for joining in to our service it's as jocelyn our our chair uh, has mentioned it has been quite a few weeks now it's hard to believe that it's been two over two months of us meeting online and i hope it's been good uh, for you a sense of community still even though we are in phase two and we're still practicing uh, physical distancing uh, that you're able to uh, connect with one another uh, in this way. Just know that as a church, uh, continue praying for us that we are coming out with a plan. Uh, potentially in the coming months, even just for our, fe- our smaller fellowship groups to start meeting uh, outdoors and safe spaces uh, um, and, and big places uh, that you can spread apart. Just so we can at least see each other because uh, our life groups have another month or so uh, left. Uh, and just throughout the summer we're, we're playing some things and we're going to try to be creative and see what we can do, uh, to, uh, help foster some uh, fellowship here. Uh, if you are uh, joining us for the first time, uh, we are in a, currently in a sermon series uh, called Miracles, uh, When God Makes a Way. We've been studying select miracles in scripture where we see God making a way for his people, for the Israelites, as a lot of the Old Testament, as we see the miracles happening, uh, how God makes a way when his people are, are, and their backs are up against the wall, where they have no way out, God shows up and does the miraculous. Uh, one of our taglines and understanding of miracles throughout uh, this study and the series so far is to understand that miracles don't happen all the time, but they come in flurries in scripture and it comes in time for God really wants to speak into his people, has a message to say, and it comes in flurries and segments in, in the Old Testament and also in uh, the New Testament as well, especially with the arrival and uh, the ministry of Jesus, which is what we're going to study uh, today. Uh, next week, uh, Howard's going to uh, bring the word and he's going to uh, um, share another passage from the, from the New Testament. And we'll see where we go from there. We're planning on ending the series there because we can keep going on and on uh, with the miracles. But I hope that it's been encouraging to you uh, in your own life, especially during this time of the pandemic, and seeing how God is making a way in your own life, uh, in the small and the big things, that God makes a way for you uh, for life to flourish, uh, for his presence to come. Uh, into your life. And I hope that uh, you've been experiencing that uh, during this uh, time. I also didn't get a chance to thank everyone. I I was was saying that it's been two and a half months uh, um, of us meeting online, but thank you for all those I've been serving, uh, serving in the background and the foreground uh, and the ways that you poured out for the church and the ministries, the ways that you've pivoted that uh, church uh, hasn't stopped. Uh, We've just moved online. Uh, So your ministries and the ways that you're serving has a shifted and pivoted. So thank you for your heart. Uh, Thank you for the ways that you are making a real difference uh, in our church and uh, in our uh, communities. But uh, today we're in chapter uh, Matthew chapter fourteen, verse thirteen to twenty-one. If you're not there already, as uh, as as Anthony was reading uh, from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, that's where we're going to be today. Uh, But uh, this last Tuesday, uh, if you've been following the news in the Christian circles in the church world, something pretty big happened. Well, this last Tuesday, uh, Rabbi Zacharias. Uh, passed away. Uh, he's the, a great apologist uh, and, and founder of Rabbi Zacharias International Ministry. I believe I have a picture uh, of him there. Um, he passed away at the age of 74. Uh, he was going through um, cancer in the spine and it's been a tough year uh, for him and he's home with the Lord. I never got a chance to meet him the first time. Seems like I, it's going to be uh, in heaven Uh, But uh, he made a great difference uh, in in the church world and the way that he wrestled with real-life questions and apologetics and the ministries that uh, he's had. And uh, why am I sharing this? Well, this is the story of of Ravi really is quite profound. Uh, Born uh, in Madras, now also known as Chennai, it's the resting place where he was born with the apparent resting place of the Apostle Thomas, uh, which for many of us, we know him as the Great Doubter. But uh, Ravi called him the great uh, questioner, the one that asked great questions about the faith, the one that um, helped us to pursue and, and ask uh, real life and tough questions about what we, it is that we believe in. And the way that he came to faith was actually at a hospital in Delhi, uh, where he attempted suicide and he was recovering at the age of 17. And he was recovering from the suicide attempt and someone gave him a Bible. First time he ever read scripture. And he read in the word, uh, in the gospel of John, because I live, you will also live. And those words changed his life around. And he became the Ravi that we know of, the one that traveled around the world uh, to preach to many, many nations and to defend the faith uh, through apologetics. And there's a story about how uh, he flown in many airlines, like one of six airlines, like he joined the three million mile club. Or something for air, air miles I didn't even know that's a thing that's how much he flew around the world proclaiming and preaching to different parts of the world and as I mentioned he founded Rabbi Zacharias International Ministry uh which helps uh which their mission statements helping the th- thinking believer and the believer uh, to think so he's made a huge profound uh impact in ministry um uh, and and it's what's fascinating to me is that uh, Education was huge, but wasn't that big. He has a master's of divinity, but he does have 10 honorary doctorates from around the world of people giving that to him. And after 45 years of ministry, he went back home to be with the Lord. And here's this encouragement of a Christian brother here who served the Lord wholeheartedly. And as I was reading his story, and this is someone that I looked up to, and he would claim that he's standing on the shoulders of giants as well, like soldiers like C.S. Lewis of the past. Uh, like Ch- Oswald Chambers of the past, and uh, he 's definitely one that uh, us pastors and leaders in the, in, in the Christian world uh, definitely stand on his shoulders uh, as well. but as I was thinking about that this week, I was just uh, I, I, I came to this wrestling with my own ministry uh, where i'm at where i 'm like you know i don 't know if I can do any of that i, I don 't know if I can ever make the same impact that ravi has i don 't know if I have the same voice as I do even in our own church, in our own city. Uh, in the whole world, and I was I was wrestling with that thought that, that I'm not Rabbi Zacharias, that I'm not uh, whichever other prominent pastor Louis Giglio, I'm not uh, Craig Rochelle, uh, I'm not uh, Ken Shigematsu in the city, I'm not Norm Funk of 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 uh, of the MB world, wh- whoever it is, prominent uh, pastors and speakers in the city, and that's where God exactly spoke to me, where He said, "That's right, you're not Rabbi Zacharias, uh, that you're not." Him because I created you with specific gifts to be who you are, um, to, to, to serve in the way that, that I've called you to serve, to live out the way that you can serve. Because often as a pastor, I wrestle with I don't know if I can feed my church, uh, I don't know if I can feed my people. I wrestle with all these big ideas, I don't know if I have enough to give, and that's exactly where God has us feeling like I, have, I don't have enough to give, and that's where God shows up, and that's where God does uh, the Miraculous. And this week, it was a good wrestling point with God of Him saying, you're not, you're, you're not Him. Uh, you're not whoever it is that you have placed on, you know, uh, that you look up to, but you are who I created you to be. And I believe that's the message uh, for us uh, this morning, because some of you also feel like you're not good enough. Some of you also feel like you don't have enough of the gifting. Uh, you don't have enough time. You don't have enough finances. You don't have enough of whatever it is you don't think you have enough of. But to remind us that God is the provider, that God does make a way, that God does use you and the little that you think you have to do wonderful things. The title of today's talk is Little Into Lots. And the big idea is that God can turn uh, the little into a lot, uh, as we see in the book of Matthew here, the Gospel of Matthew and and Matthew chapter uh, 14. Because here we see the disciples, they felt like they didn't have enough. They, they felt like they didn't have it all. They didn't have enough to do ministry. They didn't have enough to fulfill the calling that God has called them towards. Uh, and some of you might be feeling uh, that way uh, this morning. Um, and the, this passage of feeding the 5,000 5, is a famous one. Uh, besides the resurrection and besides the, uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection, this is the only other gospel story that's recorded in all four gospels. Uh, from same story, but four different angles uh, of their understanding as they witnessed uh, what happened. As, uh, as the theologian W. W.W. uh says, uh, the miracle of the feeding, the 5,000 was actually a sermon in action. Jesus is the bread of life, and only he can satisfy the spiritual hunger in man's heart. But here we learn again that the purpose of miracles is to point us towards God that God never performs miracles just to show us a neat trick, but it's to point us, to get our attention, to point us in our hearts and our souls, all of our being towards God and to hear him speak and to hear what he has to say to us. And we're to understand that in this, in this passage that Jesus is pointing to himself as the bread of life, the one that we need, the one that ultimately satisfies, the one that gives us everything that we need to fulfill the calling that he has called you towards. We know that um, last week we, we just studied the passage of manna, uh, manna and quail uh, uh, coming from heaven and providing uh, a bread that God baked with his own hands and provided for the Israelites and how God used Moses in that way. And we see here, we'll see here today that Jesus is that new Moses. He's the new provider. He's the one that ultimately can satisfy that he is going to be that bread that is going to be broken uh, for his body, for his people, so that they can be made whole Uh, as we begin we see in matthew chapter 14 verse 13 to 14 uh, the text says this when jesus heard what had happened uh, this was his cousin john the baptist uh, being beheaded Uh, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place hearing of this the crowds followed him on foot from the towns when jesus landed so they must have ran pretty fast because uh, Jesus took a boat across and they ran <laughs> around uh, the lake. Uh, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed uh, their sick. And so let's just imagine this, right? Like, Imagine if you're in Jesus' shoes, your cousin, John the Baptist, you just got news that he got beheaded. Uh, you're tired and you're wanting to go to somewhere private just to be by yourself, maybe to grieve and to mourn and just to reflect about what happened, and, and you wanted to be left alone, and and Jesus had every reason to be left alone, but every reason possible, humanly possible, uh, that you would give in that situation to be left alone and to not have people bother you. But the crowds, as I mentioned, were quick and they followed him and they they chased him down and they found him, uh, and and even though that's the case, instead of reacting in what I would think would be a very humanly humanly reaction, the reaction that I would have reacted in telling them to go off, telling them to, to, to go away, leave him alone. Jesus, instead of saying that, he shows compassion. He shows compassion for, for these people, seeing that they're sick, seeing that they're hungry. He shows compassion and he heals them uh, instead of uh, kicking them away, instead of telling them to go away. This compassion comes from this Greek word of uh, our, our inner being, that this is a feeling that, uh, that comes from this inner stirring, uh, that comes from deep within our gut, uh, that j- Jesus was moved by this. He had compassion uh, on his people. And this is one of the first points here that as we see G- uh, God turning little into lots, that it starts with compassion, uh, that compassion must drive our our action. Uh, that, that's how Jesus did it, that even though he was tired, even though he had all these reasons uh, for for not doing something, before he acted, before he performed a miracle, before he served his people, it came from a seat of compassion. It came from an inner stirring of his soul that he had this compassion on these uh, people. And some of you need to hear this today uh, because God has compassion on you. Uh, God has compassion on you that whatever it is that you're wrestling with, whatever's going on in your heart and your soul and your mind, God knows that as well. He has compassion on you. He's not far off he's not too busy for you he's he's not he's not he's not doing something else and he can't handle you god isn't too busy for your problems he isn't too busy for your emotions he isn't too busy uh, with what it is that you're wrestling with uh, i was thinking about it this week that uh was it this week or a week before that uh, bangladesh in india was hit by a huge typhoon uh and uh, millions are, are 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 dispersed um and and affected and I was thinking about that. And I was praying about certain aspects of my life. And I was thinking, well, you know, I'm not India. I'm not living in India right now. I'm not going through those circumstances. So maybe I shouldn't be praying, but I came to this passage. It came to the understanding that our God can wrestle with everything, that he can handle your big problems, but he can also handle your small problems. Whatever it is that concerns you, that you worry about, that God has compassions on you, on your worries and on your anxieties. And that is this kind of compassion that leads him to action, that leads him to, to help his people, uh, to feed and to heal his people. And we see that this compassion, it isn't just about feeling bad. Like we don't see Jesus just saying, I just feel bad for these people. Uh, and he doesn't do something about it. No, like this, this compassion of his uh, uh, stirs an action in, in his life. That like he goes and heals, he goes and provides uh, food, uh, for his people. And, and that convicts me because so often I think I have compassion on people and maybe I just you know click the like button or I share that YouTube clip or I share that news clip or, or I talk about it. But do I, does, does it really, does the compassion I have, true godly compassion, does that really equate to action in my life? And we see that in Jesus, that his actions stem from his compassion. His compassion drives uh, the actions of his life. So maybe for some of us this morning, I want to ask you this, like, are you too busy for people around you during this pandemic, that God is going to use you to help turn the little into lots? Uh, That's in the situation that we're in right now, that God's going to use you, but you're maybe too busy, uh, that it's not coming from a heart of compassion uh, for people. And are you being more, uh, are you being like Jesus for, for people and specifically in the compassion uh, in, the, uh, in the realm of com- uh, being compassion, that showing compassion, that you're showing them that uh, I have this deep care and concern for you. Not just I have to do it, not just out of Christian duty, but I have this deep care coming from my gut just as Jesus does for his people. Because our city at this moment is in need. Uh, your family is in need. Our friends are in need. Our church is in need. The city is in need. The world's in need. Like watching all those uh, news clips of of, um, of the racist attacks in the city really breaks my heart. Uh, the video clip, and you probably have seen the one where the old man suffering from Alzheimer's is pushed out of that convenience store and people are just walking by, uh, showing no compassion or, or someone's just walking on the street and someone spits and says racial racial slurs and no one else. Uh, mentions anything, I would hope that as the church, as Lord's love, as people of God, that we would speak up and say something. And not just because it's, it's, we're just going to do it, but it comes from a compassion for his people that we will walk with the victims that we will walk alongside of them. Just as what Jesus does here that all of us uh, have a little bit that we feel like we can give, but God is going to turn that into a lot into impacting a life that you never even thought that you would impact. And the passage continues in Matthew fourteen fifteen, 15, uh, verse 15, saying, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. So they're giving excuses uh, and the reasoning, uh, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So here the disciples saw what's going on and see uh, um, what happened to Jesus and what ha- they heard of what happened to John the Baptist and they're saying, Jesus, like it's remote. It's getting late. The crowds are here. We should send them away. We can't do anything with them. Like stop healing them. You know, stop performing your miracles like to send them away and do something else. And, 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 and it makes sense, right? Like it's, it's logical. Uh, that's the thing. It's logical. There's every reason again, to, to do what they were wanting to do. It's late. It's remote. They're tired. And most of the people, uh, uh, and most of all, they don't have food for the people, as we'll see later, and they can't provide for them. They're saying it's impossible, uh, but that's exactly the point. That it is impossible. Uh, that with them, they can't do it. But with God, it is possible. That 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 they don't have what it takes to fulfill. That they're going to need Jesus, they need God uh, to step into their life to do only what God can do. And here's a sermon in action, right? Like that's what Jesus is trying to teach them through this miracle. And, and, and that begs the question for you, like, have you been there? Have you, you heard the voice of God and you heard the call and God is calling you to do something uh, to, to speak to a family member, to speak to a friend, to do something at work or to school or whatever it is. And you give every single logical reason why it's not going to work. Like, have you ever been there? And I, I know I'm saying it because I have definitely been there. I was like, well, you know, I can't do that. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. Uh, this isn't the right life stage, whatever it is. But instead of listening to the voice of God, we start listening to our own inner voices and the voice of the world and voice of culture and the voice of, of, of our hearts even uh, that can deceive us instead of listening to the voice of God. And could you imagine if the disciples stopped right then and there, they would have missed, the, missed this, uh, this, this huge miracle right in front of them. And don't let what's logical stop you from seeing God. Do the impossible. In your life. Don't don't miss that. Don't don't uh, just because it doesn't make sense to you. Uh, don't let that stop you from seeing what God's is God is going to do. Your reasons for why it won't work. Don't let that stop you from seeing why it will work from God's perspective. Don't let that stop you from from what God is going to do uh, in that situation and in, in your life. Um, again, I'm not saying you should throw reason all out the window. I'm, what I'm, I'm saying is that as you seek wise counsel, as you listen to people that God has sent around you, as you study scripture, as you pray, that if that's the direction God is calling you into, you got to realize is that, are you following God's voice or are you following something else? Because you, you have to be firm in, 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 in your decision making and in, in, in your understanding. So Jesus replies uh, in Matthew verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus replied, they do they not need to go away you give them something to eat. Uh, I don't know if well, how you would respond it, but as a disciple, I would have you know, had the biggest, like what, you know, like what are you talking about Jesus? Like it makes no sense. The biggest jaw drop uh, in the world. Like, you know, you really, you know, lost it. You know, you're, you're really going through something, uh, right now. But another way of understanding, they do not need to go away. Another way of understanding that is this, that, that, um, that, that's not really what they're lacking. No, that's not really what they need right now. They don't really need to go away. That's, they're, they're not really lacking whatever it is that you think they're lacking. Uh, they're actually needing something else. And so Jesus tells them, you go and give them something uh, to, to eat. And this shows us that Jesus knows what they need, uh, that Jesus understands them, that Jesus knows what it is that they need, that they actually need more than food. And Jesus is going to perform a miracle there that points them towards God and point to the disciples and build their faith and point them towards the truth. And Jesus knows what they need, and Jesus knows uh, how to provide for them because he is uh, the great provider. At Philippians 4.19, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus, that Jesus is able to meet your needs. He knows what you need before you, you, you need it. And he even knows uh, what is the need underneath the need. Uh, he's able to fulfill that he's able to satisfy that he's able to fill your life and give you joy and peace and and wonder like no, no other. So he says to his disciples, they don't need to go away. You, you, you actually, what he's really saying to them is that you just want them to go away. Like you want the problem to go away. You want this issue to go away. Uh, Instead of displaying your faith here, you're going to just push them away. And, and here's the thing, like I'm, I'm going to, be on the disciple side, uh, just for a little bit, Uh, being a disciple and and, and being human and understanding it's like, yeah, like it makes sense. Like there is no food. They don't have enough to feed them. So it makes sense to send them away. So I'm not questioning their heart in that moment. Uh, But again, in that moment, we need to wrestle with, is it our own voice or is it God's voice? Because if we're following the wrong voice, we're going to miss the miracle. We're going to miss how God's going to turn the little that we have into a lot uh, for his kingdom. And we're going to be the one that's going to uh, suffer. And ultimately, when he says this to his disciples, you give them something to eat. It sounds very harsh. And I think in some ways, I wonder how Jesus would have said it. Maybe it was kind of harsh. Maybe it was pinpointing uh, to uh, the core of their faith and what it is that they believe in. Because I believe Jesus is essentially saying this, that you do something about it. Uh, He's throwing the ball into the disciples' court. Uh, It seems unfair. It seems like it doesn't make sense. But he throws the ball into his court, throws them into the deep end, and says, you do something about it. Uh, Don't look at me, guys. Like, you go and do something about it. And some of you need to hear that today, is that you need to start living out your faith. You need to take your faith seriously. You need to understand the call that God has placed on you. You got to do something about it. For, for, for many of us, we've been hiding under the excuse of, all. Oh, I'm just waiting, I'm just seeing, I'm just you know, praying about it even. And all those things are good. But it's been masking you actually living out your faith and just giving excuses, maybe logical ones even, of why you can't. And Jesus is saying here, you need to live out your faith. And some of you need to do that as well. That you've given every single reason of why you haven't lived out your faith. But it starts today that you're going to say, God, I need to live up my faith. I need to experience you as the bread of life. Because if you look back to this year, even these five months, or even the year last year, can you pinpoint a moment where you said, I lived up my faith there, that that was a moment where I heard God's voice and I followed through and I heard him and I lived it and I put my faith into action. Can you recall those moments? Because God, speaks to us in the everyday and God is reaching out and he is giving you opportunities, but even greater yet, it's not a message of condemnation, but it's actually a message of invitation because he's inviting you into the mission and we're the ones missing out. He wants to include you in the mission. That's what this is about. He wants you to be part of the mission. He wants you to be part of the miracle. He wants you to experience all the goodness of God, of what it looks like to walk faithfully beside him. When all, all of life doesn't make any sense, that only Jesus makes sense. And that comfort and that peace, he wants you to experience that. And that only comes with us walking with him. It only comes with us joining in on with him in, in, in missions. And when we do that, we are going to see the impossible, little or small, little or big. When we see God act. So for some of you this morning, the little into lots, it might, might you're little, might, you might feel like you don't have a lot to give and you don't have the words, you don't have the charisma, you don't have the energy, the time or the finances, but God's saying this morning, it's time for you to put your faith into action, to join a life group maybe, to lead a life group, to join kidsmen, to serve in youth ministry and to pour your heart out uh, into our youth in the next generation to join the welcome team, uh, maybe to join the worship team, to pick up the instrument and and, and to give the little that you have, even though it's not perfect. God is not looking for perfect. God's looking for your heart and he's looking for you to pour out your all into it, that he's looking for you to give, give it all. And maybe that's what's going to take. It's going to start today by you saying, God, I'm going to live out my faith for you. I'm going to give you the little that I have. So see you multiply it and turn it into a lot. Because the disciples sure thought they had very little. Matthew 14, 17, 18 continues on saying, we have here, what? Only five loaves of bread and two fish. In the Gospel of John, it records for us that they actually took it from a little boy. Uh, So they took, that wasn't even their their lunch, uh, their food. They took it from another kid. Uh, We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. um, They answered. And then Jesus said, bring them here uh, to me. And if you're finding yourself at this moment feeling like you have very little and you don't have much to give, that's exactly where God is asking you to start. Uh, why does the Apostle Paul talk about how he boasts in his weakness? It's because in his weakness, he understands how much God provides. He understands how, how God has shown up. That it is right now for you in this moment, the little that you have, whatever you think you only have uh, in your life, that is exactly what you need to bring before God. God And it starts with this, that it starts with what you have. In order for you to see the little turn into a lot, in order for you to see what God is going to do with you, start with what you have. Don't go out, like as I was saying, I want to be these speakers. I want, you know, I can't preach and explain the gospel like Rabbi Zacharias. Well, start with what you have. Start with what God has gifted you with. Now, what's your personality? What's the gift that you have? What are your passions? How has God wired you specifically? Start with that. Don't count what you don't have. Start with what uh, you have. Because that's exactly the point here. They looked at five loaves and two fish and they said that this isn't enough. And that's exactly the point that God is trying to make to them, that they don't have enough. That if they depend on themselves and only what they can muster up, it's never going to be enough. But God can turn the little into lots. And that's what God ultimately does. God is not going, you know, there's a saying out there. And this really bothers me that, that God, that, that, that people say, God's not going to give you something you can't handle. And I really question that. I think we really should because where in scriptures does it say that. Because I read here, and this is only one text. Jesus sure gave the disciples something they could not handle. Uh, right in this moment here. That they couldn't handle feeding the five thousand men only, and there were, and the people believe that since there are women and children, they're probably up to at least fifteen thousand people there, on that hillside, a stadium, that they were given something impossible to do. So that's exactly the point: is in those impossible situations, what do we do? Do we fall back in our own cocoons and what we can do, or do we follow God? Um, And you say. I don't have enough of this. And you just kind of pause there instead of taking a next step and coming to Jesus about it, because that's point number two here. You start with what you have, but you're also me- me- meant to bring them to Jesus. Don't miss that. Don't just start with what you have and count it, and then be depressed about it. Like, well, I only have five loaves and two fish and walk away. No, the next step here, what Jesus says very specifically is that bring them here to me. And that's what God's calling you to do this morning. The little that you have, bring that to me. Bring that to me and see what I can do with it. I'm not telling you to go save the world because that's his job. That's Jesus's job. He's saying, bring the little that you think you have and let me show you what I can do with it. They don't need to to come away. I go away from here. In fact, that's the worst thing to do to send someone away from Jesus is actually to bring them towards Jesus because Jesus can show them The truth, Jesus can show them what is the way and Jesus can perform miracles and do the impossible. Not us. We're not the ones, but it's Jesus that does it. And just before this, the disciples would have been reminded of this. Because in chapter 11, uh, Matthew 11, 28, 29, Jesus just said this, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. That like Jesus says, come to me, I am the answer. I am the one that can perform the miracle. I am the one that can provide whatever it is that you're looking for at this moment. I am the one that can satisfy. In in the Old Testament, Isaiah 45, 22 states this as well, turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. That instead of sending people away, instead of you pursuing other things, the question is, are you going to Jesus? Are you looking to Jesus for the answer, for that problem in your family, for that situation at work, for that dilemma you have in school, in career, in your leadership discussions, in your leadership decisions? whatever it is that you're going through in the way that you want to parent your kids and you your, in your family life. Are you going to Jesus towards it? Are you coming to him? Are you going to something else? Because surely I know I've been there when I go to something else, I don't see the little turn into lots. I see the little remain little, or even worse that the world doesn't have the answers that Jesus has because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And it's only I, I, the good life. It's only found through him. And some of us, we do everything possible. We run away and find anything else other than Jesus. And today he's saying, come to me. I can provide you that answer. I can turn the little into lots into life because ultimately this is the truth that little is a lot in God's hands. In our hands is the little, the five loaves and two bread, uh, five loaves and two fish. That's little. But little is a lot in God's hands. And I hope you guys will remember that today. Moving forward, whatever it is that you think you have little of. And Jesus is saying today, give me the little faith that you have. Give me the little finances that you have. Give me the little time that you have. Give me the little resources and the little hope and the little whatever it is that you have and bring it to me and let me show you what I can do because little is a lot in the Savior's hands. Little is a lot in God's hands. You can do way more than what you and I could possibly do. And I was so encouraged this week when I got a message that was someone in our congregation uh, wanting to make masks. And you might have saw uh, some of those announcements on Facebook and on Instagram. And, and she was just saying, I don't, I feel like maybe I can't do too much, but this is my little action that, you know, my little action to encourage people to, to help people out through this tough time of the pandemic. And I love that. And that encourages me like, that's an example. You just give the little. You might think, you know, in the world, what difference is this going to make? But I feel called, and this is the little that I can bring. And God is going to turn that into a lot, even more than what I could think. So don't you ever think God can't do a lot with the little that you have. Because I know for sure that some of you are wrestling with that at this moment. And the passage ends this morning uh, with Matthew 14, verse 19 to 21. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass so nice and comfortable, you know, take it easy because I don't want you to be standing because you're going to witness something crazy and you might hit your head. If you fall over and see this miracle, uh, taking the five loaves and the two fish looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke it. He broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. and The disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces, probably wondering what just happened that were left over the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. I want you to highlight here. If you have your Bibles that he gave to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people that they are able to give because God first gave it to them. That God was the one that originated the miracle that God was the one that provided. And for some of you, you have this pressure. Uh, that you have to provide, you have to be the one that, that manufactures or, 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 or or makes uh, the, the, um, the, the, the goods and the fruit. But what if you thought of yourself as a distributor and not a manufacturer, that God is the one manufacturing things from, from the, from the factory in heaven, that God is the one doing the impossible. And all he's calling you to do is like, hey, come and take it from me and pass it on to other people come and give me the little that you have and pass it on to other people and see what it is that I can do with them. And could you imagine that boy who went home with more than what he brought? Uh, I'm sure his parents would have been concerned. Did you steal this? Like what happened? (laughs) You know, why did you come back with more food? Well, this man named Jesus showed up and, and did the impossible. That for us as disciples, we're meant to just take what God has given us and to pass it on to others. That's all it is. Not so much pressure anymore, that we just take what God has given us and we pass that on to others and trust that only God can do what he can do. I'm going to end with this, that I love this passage as it ends with Jesus explaining him how he gives it to his disciples because I struggle with this of the savor complex of doing and mustering up my own gifts. And thinking that I'm not enough, that I can't do it. And that's exactly the point because only God can. Because God is the one that can create. I'm the one that brings it into the world. But ultimately we understand this, that Jesus, he took this bread and he broke it. That unless we devour this bread, unless we take the bread ourselves, we won't benefit from it. We won't uh, be fed by it, that Jesus himself, as he's breaking the bread, ultimately, he was broken on the cross. He was broken for you and for me so that we can be made whole, so that we can have this relationship, so that we don't no longer need to pursue and live out under our own strength, that we do what only God calls us to do, and he fulfills us. And that is freedom, living a life in that way, knowing that God is providing, that God is doing what he can do. And he's saying, hey, come alongside of me. You know, let me show you a miracle let me encourage you let me take the little that you think you have and multiply it into lots and it starts with us joining with him on the mission listening and seeing what he has to do so I hope that this encourages you uh, this morning and a few application points as i end that god used his disciples here so the question is for you what has god specifically positioned you for that the disciples weren't there to witness it at, at, Randomly, but he, they were positioned there for a reason, for a purpose. So, how is God calling you to give people something to eat uh, that may be impossible today? What is the little that you have to give? Secondly, what situ- situation do you feel like you don't have enough? But instead of looking at what you don't have enough of, look at what you do have. Count what you do have and give it to Jesus and see what he can do. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you, God, for your love. We thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you, God, that you've displayed on the cross for, your, for everyone. Just how much you love us. Just how much you care about us. Just how much, God, you want to pursue and, and, and provide for us. So, Father, this morning, for those of us that feel like we have so little, God, may we give you the little that we have. May we give you the little that we have and see what you can do with it. Father, we're tired of providing for ourselves. We're tired of chasing After the ways of this world, we're tired, God, of doing and carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders, God. And at this moment, we're just saying, whatever that situation is, whatever that impossibility is, we're giving it to you now and praying that you would only do what you can do, that you will perform a miracle, that you will turn the little into lots. And may we experience the grace and the love and the peace that comes from this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.